This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Kevin Wade is with me on the show, and we are, Kevin, one day away from National Signing Day. So now is the time, if you haven't, to subscribe to DuckTerritory.com. Uh, we've got a ton of scoop on the site. We've got exclusive content. Our staff is three deep full time and we've got a combined over 20 years of experience covering this football team. We've got a great community on the site on the Duck Pond message board and we've also got access to CBS All Access. It's a all uh, commercial free streaming platform. It's got a hundred dollar value. Uh, you get that free with your membership to DuckTerritory.com and we've got great free trials where you can get for Seven seven days free. You can do a bu- your first month for a dollar. Uh, a ton a ton of reasons why to subscribe to DuckTerritory.com. So, Kevin, like I said, we're a day away from National Signing Day, and it seems like this class has a couple pieces that are just in continuous fluid motion because every hour it seems like there's some kind of new development, some kind of new uh, whisper out there right now because. Uh, there's a lot of big, big chess pieces still on the board, and there's, there's importantly, a lot going on Twitter. A lot on Twitter right now. A lot on Instagram. Recruits are posting their final decisions, final in homes. It's getting pretty uh, down to the wire for a few of the top guys on the board, including the top uncommitted prospect has Oregon in his final four. Yeah, Justin Flo, five-star linebacker, uh, guy out of Southern California. And look, this is if you're if you're just jumping into the recruiting thing. And look, we, we get it. There's people out there that don't pay attention until December. Uh, there's lots of you out there that do that. Justin Flo is arguably one of the best players ever to come out of, uh, Southern California, California in general. Uh, I, I believe Greg Biggins said that he's one of the best linebackers he's ever seen play the linebacker position out of Upland. Um, he is ranked as the fourth best player in the country, the number one inside linebacker in the country. He's the 40th best all-time prospect in 24-7 sports composite history. Uh, this is a player who, for the longest time, was deemed a Clemson lean, a uh, silent commit, if you will. And he went out to, uh, to Clemson for an unofficial visit back in August. He was expected to to give a verbal commitment then, did not. Then it was he'll make a commitment in September, did not. Then it was he's going to take a couple of visits and do it in October, early November. Uh, when he went out to, to Clemson for an official visit, he did not do it then. Uh, and since that visit on November 16th, he has since visited Oregon on the 29th, and he's also checked out the Ducks on the 14th, or excuse me, USC on the 14th. And... Honestly, Kevin, I, I think it's now basically Oregon versus USC. Yeah, there's a few reasons I think that it is Oregon versus USC, but the past month or so, I think that Clemson's kind of just been sitting like, hey, man, we thought you were going to commit three months ago. And it's kind of been like, well, if he's not going to commit, then they got to figure out 
Clemson's got to figure out their their own plan. And uh, I mean, Clemson was kind of did just that, bringing in a five star linebacker for an official visit, offered him on Saturday, and I don't even think it took thirty minutes for them to get the commitment. So. I mean, shows you where Clemson is in the recruiting world, but also that opens up the big question is, one, does Flo still have a spot at Clemson because they took another linebacker? And two, is Flo even still considering Clemson because the Tigers kind of had to shift their recruiting strategy after the the Tealies, if you were, were trending towards Oregon or USC for Flo? Yeah, and, and Clemson, this is how rough things are for the Clemson Tigers right now. They... They couldn't wait on Justin Flo, so they took a commitment from another five-star linebacker that they offered this weekend. Just ridiculously good for them. Uh, but for Oregon now, it's it's Oregon seems like the school that that Flo is trending towards. The crystal ball on, on 24/7 Sports is showing that 50% of the 18 predictions have come in for Clemson. Um, Greg Biggins changed. Our national recruiting analyst Greg Biggins changed his prediction from Clemson to to cloudy, meaning he's not willing to choose yet between Oregon or USC, but he is justifying and saying that Clemson's not going to be the school that he feels like, at least right now, uh, that Flo is going to. I haven't placed a crystal ball yet, Kevin. You have. Uh, you've got one in for for Oregon. Steve Wolfong, our director of football recruiting, has one as well. Uh, Anna Hickey, our our Clemson insider. She has one uh, for Oregon as well. There are no, excuse me, there's just a couple uh, USC ones um, out Those there. Are right. Yeah, Gerard Martinez, our, our USC insider, and Kevin Ryan, our national recruiting manager, they have uh, got USC ones in. Ryan was back in May, and Gerard was a uh, long time ago. on Over a year ago. Which Yeah, October 18th. Uh, 2018. So I, I think Gerard's crystal ball kind of tells you where things stand a little bit with Flo's recruitment and kind of the story of the recruitment, though, because he's an LA kid from a family that grew up rooting for USC, and it was just kind of expected. Oh, five-star linebacker in Southern going California, to USC, going to USC with the number of questions circling USC about their coaching instability. Um, a disappointing season, even though they were second in the Pac-12 South for USC. I think put a lot of that into to question for the Trojans. And they were out of his top four that he released in early August. So that's when all the Clemson crystal balls came in. And then this past weekend, a handful of us on 247 have put in Oregon crystal balls. So I think it kind of tells you that USC was the school that everyone thought was going to get him. But they they faded, but in typical USC fashion, they've jumped back into it somehow. Yeah, well, it's it's just I, I think it goes back to just um, this is classic USC every year. I mean, Duck fan knows this for the longest of times. Where every year it seems like Oregon or some other school looks like you know the team to beat, and then USC gets the last minute visit just before signing day. And all of a sudden, the Trojans swoop in and and clean up, you know, four or five guys on signing day. That's that's how it always goes every year. So I'm not surprised. I mean, I went on Ryan Abraham, our USC Insiders podcast, during the week of the USC football game, and I I told him that even though the USC recruiting was down, I felt like 
USC will do USC. It doesn't matter who's the head coach, even if it's Clay Helton uh, today, that they'll come in and they'll swoop in and a couple big-name prospects, and the class will get a little bit better. Now, the question becomes for Oregon, can they convince Justin Flo that Clay Helton – uh, and the Trojan program right now is sitting on sand and all it takes is one flood and they, they wash away because the, a coaching change could happen that quickly. Whereas at Oregon, it really seems like things have stabilized. They're in the Pac-12 championship. They won the, that. Uh, now they're playing in the Rose Bowl and they've got another really good class coming in and flow could be the difference in Oregon signing a top 10 class for the second straight year potentially even be beating last year's program best. You know, so the Ducks could go back-to-back years with, you know, the, the number one ranked class in program history. Um, and that sets them up for, you know, the next three or four years of, of competing not only in the Pac-12, but nationally. I mean, something to, to know that everyone going into this cycle agreed that it was it was kind of a down year. There were, on the West Coast, there were some some headliners, but overall across the board, wasn't as strong as past years have been out West where Oregon was able to get a ton of blue chippers from Southern California. It just wasn't the depth of the class this year. So having Oregon in this position to really get two West coast five stars, potentially three, we'll get to that later, but it's kind of impressive, but I think it shows where Oregon is as a program and what they can kind of sell to recruits because it's like, Hey, look, Look at our five-star freshman last year, Kayvon Thibodeau. He was able to win Pac-12 Freshman of the Year. He's able to make a handful of all-America, true freshman, all-American teams. So it, it kind of shows you what you can do at Oregon and especially where the program is. I mean, they're one game out of being in the playoff. So Justin Flo will, yeah, will make his commitment uh, Wednesday, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, on ESPN, so we'll we'll be certainly tracking that to see where it goes there. Um, now, there's a whole bunch of other moving pieces on the on the board as well. Um, most, I, I think, a lot of people are wondering what happens with five-star cornerback Keely Ringo, four-star cornerback Dante Manning. Both of those prospects were at Georgia. Yeah, um, both of them were kind of questions if they would actually take the trip. Uh, they both did. They both made it to Athens for the weekend. Um, both are basically Oregon and Georgia battles. And as it kind of stands, what we've kind of gathered is both schools have room for both prospects. So, I mean, it can go a lot of different ways uh, as we could get down to the wire. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how things shake out. Neither of them have picked up Oregon crystal balls yet, though there's still some kind of figuring out What's going on? Getting the post-visit reaction and not only post-visit reaction, but letting the, the visit, the Georgia visit kind of wear off a little bit and the kids sit down and say, Hey, I've got to make a decision and, and sign in the next three days because it's a signing period, not a signing day necessarily. But the other moving piece for both these guys is they're not going to announce until, uh, Manning announces January 2nd and Ringo announces January 5th. So it's going to be, yeah. A little bit of a waiting period, but you'll be able to tell kind of by what Oregon does during the signing period and after. There'll be ways to kind of figure out, okay, Oregon maybe did not get one of the prospects, so they offer an uncommitted, unsigned corner. So it's going to be a lot to track over the next two weeks as kind of everyone just sits on their hands to see where Manning and Ringo decided. 
Yeah, that's the thing is, well, it'll kind of tell itself. Like if all of a sudden um, Oregon is trying to get a guy like Elijah Badger uh, to, to not sign in the early period and then try and get up to campus for an official visit, um, that could tell us where things stand. Or if Oregon gets involved with a junior college prospect or, or somebody else of, you know, that we don't know about, you know, that probably means that Oregon's going to miss out on one or both of those prospects. But if they just can't stand pat and stand firm, um, you know, that could tell us a lot of where both of those guys are going because look, we have heard from plenty of sourcing that Oregon is in a really, really good spot with Dante Manning and is in a really, really good spot with Keely Ringo. And there is a scenario out there that's realistic that Oregon lands both guys. I mean, it's, that's a possibility. And, you know, it's obviously the best case scenario. Um, but it's not a far, it, it's not a far fetched scenario either, though. Exactly. It, it's a legitimate possibility and one in which Oregon has positioned themselves well. Um, I, I think the only downside you probably wish, would wish that, uh, Oregon was not, you know, Georgia was not the last visit for Manning and Ringo. You would, I ideally would have liked to been the last visit for both, if not one of them. Um, but Georgia getting that last visit for both is probably going to make things a little complicated. It'll be interesting to see what happens over the next, um, 24 hours as we approach, uh, getting into those final hours before signing day. A lot of things get figured out. Uh, I think it is notable that Georgia did send out a offer to a cornerback who announced he was waiting to sign. And so that, that happened last week before the two visited, but I think that kind of says, hey, this guy's going to come in and visit in January. So even if he doesn't, that still kind of sent a message of maybe Georgia isn't super confident in landing both these guys. Oregon might have a shot at one. So it will be kind of tracking all the chess pieces, not just for Oregon, but what does Georgia do? What does the prospect that was interested in Georgia do? Um, yeah, it's just it's going to be a lot of moving pieces over the, the next two weeks for those guys at the cornerback spot because they're not going to tell. Oregon or Georgia, the school that gets the commitment, isn't going to yep. make the announcement if they're holding it. And I think for good reason because if a school does get a commitment from a kid, it's good exposure to have them announced during the All-American, whether it's the Under Armour All-American game or the All-American Bowl. I think it's, it's great exposure for both for either of the programs that could get them to have a kid put on your hat on national TV. Then there's now also the back and forth situation with Don, with Johnny Wilson. If you've been on the site for a while, if you're just jumping in, uh, one of Oregon's highest rated prospects uh, committed is Johnny Wilson, a four star receiver, six foot six, big big target. Uh, out of Calabasas High School. And basically for the last two weeks, we've been sitting here waiting and wondering, is Wilson going to flip the or from flip from Oregon to Arizona State? And look, I've heard a ton of stuff on this. I've heard it's done. It, it's wrapped up. He's going to announce to ASU. I've also heard that ASU's gotten to getting a little squirmy over there going, why has this not happened? We thought this was going to happen. Why is it not happened? Are, is it going to happen? Uh, you know, I, I would probably say it's more than likely he flips to ASU. Uh, but at the same time, 
this doesn't feel like as much of a done deal as it was two weeks ago, but Oregon still has to make up quite a bit of room. Yeah, Oregon can't doesn't have the luxury of going in home again, so it's kind of now what can they do on the phones, and where does the prospect currently sit? And I think what makes it a little harder for fans is that Johnny Wilson might be the most closely guarded, like to the keeps it to the vest uh, recruit. We've covered it, Oregon. I think he he doesn't like to talk. He likes to keep his options kind of limited, and that's why when he committed, I don't think it was a surprise to Oregon fans. I think the timing was he just posted a tweet, and that's the kind of kid he is. He just likes to keep his stuff kind of locked down. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. I know he changed some of his Twitter profile, took removed um, his pin tweet, which was his Oregon commitment, which that even drove the frenzy a little further, but he still hasn't done it, and so... We could even just see a scenario where either of the schools, Oregon or Arizona State, just makes the announce whenever they announce their class. They're just yeah. like, oh, Johnny Wilson, part of the class. Now, I think it also has to go into a consideration where, look, Oregon has loaded up at the receiver position the last couple seasons. Now, this does not mean it's totally fine that that Johnny Wilson elects to go to Arizona State after being committed to Oregon for so long. With that that's just bad. Like it, it hurts Oregon's class. It, you know, they could have gone out and found another receiver that's similar in stature or, you know, skill set. Uh, and they're going to be left at the altar if that happens. But at the same time, you also have to take into all, cons- all facts. They did land a commitment from Devin Williams, you know, during the middle of the year as a transfer, six foot four, 205 pound receiver, a guy that's going to play at Oregon next year right away. He will be eligible to play. So, you know, they are adding one piece. He's just a transfer and he's going to be a sophomore. They also added Lance Wilhoyt, Josh Delgado, Micah Pittman, J.R. Waters to the receiving core last season. And two, two of them redshirts. Yeah, two of them are going to come off as redshirts. You know, Delgado and, and Pittman have played this season. Uh, and, and so Oregon does have young talent waiting in the wings. It's just you would have ideally liked to be able to go out and add another, you know, one or two pieces to this receiving core in this class so that next year and the year after that, when Jalen Red and uh, Johnny Johnson both graduate, you've got, you know, three or four extra guys in the wings waiting to sustain that. Yeah, I think that's one of the the position, and I've talked about it a lot just because it's just it's become a thing for me. The position that Oregon historically has under-recruited is wide receiver. It's a position where, I mean, they 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 did get a five-star back in 2004 in Cameron Colvin, but it's been quite a while since Oregon's really picked up a truly elite wide receiver, and Wilson was kind of that top 100 prospect to kind of go with uh, his former high school teammate, Micah Pittman, who could, could have been a game-changer for the Ducks. And, I mean, just... You look at Dylan Mitchell in one season, he was able to have the best season of an Oregon wide receiver, and I, I still think that there could be a much better wide receiver in the future at Oregon. So it's there's the opportunity there. It's interesting that Oregon just hasn't been able to get one of those elite guys. Maybe they're already on the roster, and we haven't just seen it yet because, you know, J.R. Waters, Lance Wilhoy, uh both had very good senior seasons in high school but dealt with injuries. So it'll be interesting to see what happens at the receiver position, but there is a lot of talent there. And there also is another commit in Chris Hudson. Yeah, Hudson's also on the picture. Now, unfortunately for Oregon, there's also some scuttle that 
Hudson might not sign with uh, Oregon during the early signing period. We're not saying he's going to decommit, but uh, there is that possibility out there, and uh, that would certainly, if that plays out in that manner, um, that would certainly not be ideal for Oregon because a majority of the receivers that are on the board are going to sign with their respected schools on Wednesday, December 18th, and Oregon could really be looking uh, at a situation where they have no receivers going into the second signing period in February with very little talent to work with. Yeah, that would be, I think, the worst-case scenario uh, just from a true depth perspective because this class is already so defensively loaded to not bring in any pass catchers could kind of help balance out that roster, I think, would be a, uh, a rough burden, especially when you thought you're going to, like, you're pretty solid in bringing in Johnny Wilson and Chris Hudson up until November. So I think that's one of the not-as-bright spots, but you just look around the rest of the class, and those are really the only um, offensive guys that have, I think every other offensive guy has said that they're pretty firm with Oregon, so... Yeah, they have they have ten verbal commitments on the offensive side of the football, and then uh, they have twelve verbal commitments on the defensive side. And if you take off uh, Johnny Wilson and you also take off Chris Hudson, all of a sudden now uh, you're you out of take position. Off. Seth Figgins and yep, uh, Peter Lawtu as well, who we've kind of said we don't expect to sign in the early period. So that's only seven on the offensive ball side of the ball. Yeah, it makes you know that makes offense a priority in January. So let's take a quick break. Uh, you're listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Kevin Wade with me, uh, talking Oregon football recruiting national signing day, December 18th, uh, Wednesday. Uh, if you are not a member of DuckTerritory.com, I highly encourage you to jump on it. We've got scoop, we've got exclusive content, we've got a great staff locally, we've got great staff nationally that that no one can beat. Uh, we've got a great community of Duck fans. Uh, you also get access. Uh, to our streaming platform, CBS All Access, you can watch over 10,000 shows, movies, live sports, commercial free. It's a $99.99 .99 value. That's free with your subscription to DuckTerritory.com, and you can jump on for a seven-day free trial. You can also get your first month for a dollar. Uh, lots of easy ways to jump in onto uh, the site, get into the get into the content, get into the scoop, get you know. Get into the community. Uh, we've got a great community on the site as well. So do that if you have not. Now, even though signing day is over, 
uh, you know, in a day or so, there's still a second signing day, junior days starting up, Rose Bowl coverage, men's and women's basketball is in the thick of it now. So lots to, of reasons to subscribe. Um, back to recruiting and it, it don't want to be all down and Debbie here, but there's also another guy, Kevin, that we're tracking that could also decommit from Oregon, uh, on national signing day on the 18th and go somewhere else. And that's four star safety Miles Slusher. Yeah, he uh visited Arkansas this past weekend on an official visit. Um I, I I not very great with geography, but I did learn that Tulsa, Oklahoma, which which is where he's from, I just didn't know where he was from in Oklahoma, uh is about two hours away from Fayetteville. So he's he's they're kind of the local school. I know they're not in state, but they're pretty close to where he's from, so he made the trip there. Um again, like Johnny Wilson, he kinda did a social media clearing, uh deleted all his photos. Uh, on his Instagram. What's interesting is he had just posted photos from his official visit last weekend of his UCLA visit. So pretty interesting to see the kind of follow that. Uh, he did visit Nebraska during the season. Um, and Nebraska kind of felt like they were going to get the flip then. And then he just stayed committed to Oregon, visited Oregon for his official visit. Seemed like he was kind of locked in. So it's, it's interesting. One of those just Got to follow the tea leaves, got to figure it out, but he'll be announcing on signing day. And typically, just my opinion, if a kid's announcing on signing day while they're committed to a school, I don't it's know. Probably the not exact, going there. Yeah, exact percentages, but <laughs> more times than not, and a lot more times than not, that kid is not picking the school he's committed to. Yeah, and that's, you know, unfortunately for Oregon, they're in a position where, you know, they could be left at the altar again with Miles Flusher. But I think if, if you said, hey, you lose Slusher, but you also add a Manning, or even best case scenario, you add a Manning and a Ringo, you take that every time. Um, because the Ducks, the Ducks have a ton of depth at that safety, at that cornerback position uh, for the next year or two. And if you added Manning and Ringo, it gets even better. Uh, and you're just kind of... You're you're losing a four star, but you're 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 adding a higher four star in Manning or a five star in Ringo. Uh, you you gotta take that almost any day of the week. Someone who's also it, I think it goes into position positional preference is the way I would term it. Um, Miles Slusher is a safety that they were gonna have play boundary corner, whereas Dante Manning and Keely Ringo are true cornerbacks. So I think, well, I think Slusher is a he's an All American, so I think it's pretty. Uh, telling that he has skill, I think it's just kind of you got to balance your entire recruiting board. So it'll be interesting to see um, what does or what does Oregon do there? Who do they end up landing in the safety in cornerback positions? Um, but they already have a pretty solid class, um, bringing in JUCO Bennett Williams, Luke Hill, Jared Greenfield. So uh, definitely not something to be uh, slouching about. Now. Some positive news is that Oregon has got uh, back involved with Elijah Badger. This is uh, a prospect that Oregon's had, I, I, I think, back and forth interest in. It, it seemed like in the spring and in the summer, um, Elijah Badger was destined to go to Oregon. Uh, some things just did not transition that way. Uh, he's a six foot one guy from Folsom, California, four star player. You know, he showed up to Saturday Night Live and competed at receiver and then quickly moved over to safety or cornerback position and excelled at that spot too against guys like Johnny Wilson, 
and other, you know, high profile receivers. Chris Hudson was there as well. Uh, and, you know, ever since then, it was kind of like he didn't commit after, after SNL. And then it was, well, does Oregon have the room because of a couple commitments at receiver and a couple commitments at safety or corner? And was, well, they have room. Arizona State's kind of surged ahead. I think they're probably the, the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, but Oregon has circled back, uh, and has made an in-home visit. I don't think Mario Cristobal's gone in home yet. Uh, we'll see if he signs in there with signing period. Yeah. If he doesn't sign, then by Mario Cristobal not going in home, that lets Mario Cristobal go home in January. So I think that's, it's, it's kind of one of those weighing the risks and balances of, Figuring that out, I think notable also about that in-home is Dante Williams went in-home with Trey Watson, the graduate assistant. Um, and that's just kind of something to, to point out since with the Ducks losing Marcus Arroyo, they're allowed to send a graduate assistant on the road recruiting kind of in his place. And the, this year they picked uh, Trey Watson because that kind of shows you that cornerback is the prior cornerback slash defensive back is the priority. Um, if you're kind of just picking up on how things are going. So, um, I think there was a lot, I mean, even, I want to say over a year ago, I originally put in a crystal ball for Oregon. I've since changed that to ASU, uh, kind of when things were, were vibing towards that direction in October. Uh, I'm going to be kind of upset if he picks Oregon, cause that would have been so many crystal ball points. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think it's, it's, he's a very solid prospect either side of the ball. I think he is a very, very good wide receiver, but I think he has the potential to be next level good at cornerback. So it just kind of depends where he wants to play. Yeah, that's that's the the question. Where does he fit? And maybe it's out of necessity. Maybe if if Oregon does land a Ringo, a Manning, or both, and all of a sudden Badger wants to come on too, maybe he plays receiver if Johnny Wilson flips to ASU, uh, or maybe he comes in as a pure athlete and they just figure it out later. Um, but that's certainly another player to watch. Uh, He's all American level, both sides of the ball. So yes, yeah, exactly. It, great options. That's just another another guy to watch for this class as things play out on National Signing Day. Don't know yet if he's going to announce uh, on Signing Day or not. I think he's one of the guys that it's kind of up in the air. Like it, it could go a couple different directions uh, with with who's out there and, and what kind of his options are. Um, we do know, you know, Herm Edwards has pulled a scholarship from, from one of their commits already because of, of lack of room. So maybe ASU all of a sudden has a good day and, and, and he doesn't sign there, uh, because they don't have the room. I don't know. I'm just speculating here, but don't want to get too down that rabbit hole, but that's going to be a guy for Elijah Badger, a four star guy, just to keep tabs on of where things stand there. Um, Oregon also had a quarterback on campus this past weekend for an official visit. Uh, Robbie Ashford from Hoover High School in Alabama. If you watch that MTV show, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, uh, it was a high school football show that focused on Hoover, Alabama, uh, at least for the first couple of years. Um, one of the main powerhouse schools down south. Uh, they produce talent all the time. Uh, Robbie Ashford was at uh, Oregon this past weekend. And that in of itself is an interesting move because Oregon's already got a commitment from a quarterback in four-star Jay Butterfield. Yeah, it's it's uh, two-a-days is the name of the show you're thinking. Yeah, about. that's right. Um, and I think quarterback's been one of those positions since since Butterfield committed. I think Oregon 
had kind of said, hey, we kind of need two because as we've talked about uh, a lot this year is that Oregon's quarterback depth, you'd ideally want four You'd ideally want four guys on the four scholarship guys on the roster. I know it's difficult with the transfer portal, but right now you're kind of having to figure out that out with next year projecting to only have Tyler Shuck, Kale Millen, and Jay Butterfield right now. So bringing in another guy, increase the competition in the room, and just having that depth is important. The one thing for Robbie Ashford I think that stands out about him, and it could be a good thing for the Ducks, is that he's also a standout baseball player, and Oregon is right now trying to really revamp their baseball program. Um, George Horton and the university parted ways last year. They hired a new baseball coach. So I think that's a something that could play into Oregon's favor, having very nice football facilities, very nice baseball facilities, and really showing an investment in both sports, um, especially with the new coach. So I think there, there's a lot of good Oregon. If maybe they don't get Ashford in the early signing period, maybe they don't, maybe they're still in play in the later one is also talking with Malik Hornsby, uh, potentially going to visit in the later the later period in January. So it's interesting that Oregon wants the second quarterback. It makes sense for the reasons why. I think the bigger thing that stands out to me is they had a quarterback in without a quarterback's coach to to kind of be there. Yeah, I think that speaks to the plan though of what they're going to do with that hire. Is they're going to find someone to run something similar uh, to their current you know, offensive scheme plan. That's what that, that's what that tells me is that they're not going to make these swooping changes schematically f- offensively with their next uh, coaching hire. We're going to a full Gulf Coast offense. No, that's not happening. Um, just or just true area. I don't know, but they they're not going to do that. It's going to look very similar. Is kind of what um, what that tells me. And I think Ashford's got a very strong arm, so it'll be interesting to track uh, where Oregon. If they start to talk to other quarterbacks over the next few period, there are a few that are going to wait it out. So uh, I think Ashford's a very good option if the Ducks want to take a second quarterback. And I think it, you're going to have some good quarterback competition this spring. I think that's something that Duck fans can really look forward to. We also should talk real quick. Um, Kyron Ware Hudson, Oregon landed a verbal commitment from the 2021 class. It's, it's a year out from when he signs, but the fourth four-star prospect for 2021 has given a verbal commitment to Oregon. Yeah, a little slightly sneaky getting that in there. And I, I think you're, you're going to start to see here like, oh, Oregon's putting together a pretty good class. Oh, like the, the foundation is there with, I mean, Seven McGee, Keith Brown, Anthony Beavers, and Kyron Ware Hudson, all four-star prospects in the 2021 class, plus Jackson Light, a center out of Utah. Like, this class, the next class, will have a very nice foundation going into the next cycle when the coaches hit the road in January and really start to evaluate and then get further evaluating in the spring. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch that 2021 class develop. Uh, it is a really good year out west, and I think the Ducks have already kind of started landing guys. I mean, top prospect in the state of Oregon, three players from the powerhouses in Southern California. I mean, Seven McGee is going to play his senior season at Corona Centennial, which is the home of the number one pro- or number two prospect, I believe. Number one. number one. Number one, okay. I wasn't sure if it was JT uh, or uh, Corey Foreman. So it's you've got the number one prospect in California playing with Seven McGee, a guy that he released his edit um, 
not too long ago, and or, or he was wearing an Oregon uniform. I don't know if I, yeah. I read too much into that, but when it's not alphabetical and Oregon's the first school listed and the edit of his top ten has him wearing an Oregon uniform, that usually is something you can read into. And then you've got Narbonne, who always has talented prospects with where Anthony Beavers is, um, and then Modern Day, who just is a always powerhouse with Kyron Ware Hudson. I think there's a lot of things you can say about it. Like, it, is it, it's the fourth straight year now that Oregon's going to be bringing a brother of another player on the roster because you'll have Travis Dye, Troy Dye, Patrick Herbert, Justin Herbert, Noah Sewell, Panay Sewell, and then Kyron and Keon Ware Hudson. So there, there are 29 five stars in the 2021 class. Uh, six of them have high interest in Oregon and six of them or five of them are based out of the West Coast that have high interest in the Ducks. Uh, there are certainly are a couple other guys out West that are five stars, but you know, you just look at the top 10 and there's three of them in the top 10 that are giving a serious look at Oregon, uh, that are all five star prospects. So like you said, the West Coast this in 2021 is set up for a big year. Um, and Oregon, this is, look, this is why you have to recruit early. This is why you have to have success early so that you're not having to spend the months of September, October, November, and December recruiting 20, you know, that current class in its entirety and trying to land 14 or 15 or 16 commits. It's, it's so important to go into a football season having a majority of your class done so then you can focus strictly on your select final 20 guys that you're, t- that you're recruiting for eight spots, seven spots, six spots. Also and then the rest the of the season. time, yeah, and then focus on the season and then the rest of your recruiting time, you, you can get yourself prepared ahead of time for the, the junior class. And Oregon's been able to do that because a majority of their commits have been committed since September. And, you know, when they go out and, and they do their evaluations during the season, you know, which isn't very often, they're able to do more of a focus on their primary targets for 2020. And then secondary, they're out there going in and checking on guys that are in the 2021 class and showing them love and showing them attention when most schools aren't doing that because they're having to, they're having to fill 15, 16, sometimes 20 scholarships for the current class that they're recruiting. I mean, one good example of this already starting to play out for down the road recruiting is they picked up Keith Brown after the Civil War, the top player in the state of Oregon. And now they have him the entire recruiting cycle for this next year. He's going to be a huge Oregon advocate. He already is on Twitter. Seven McGee is as well on Twitter. So you have two Oregon commits that are going to be at most of the major national events promoting that Oregon brand, being in the ears of kids at every seven on saying, hey, come to Oregon. So it's it's definitely one of those things that it, it builds upon itself. And the earlier you can do it, the more buzz you can bring. I think it's just going to add to what 2021 can become. But also it, it helps. I mean, landing a kid during this cycle, especially at a powerhouse, everyone take like uh, Kyron Horman, yeah, wait, sorry, Horman, Ware Hudson. Uh, it's a big pickup. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it, it sets everything up for Oregon uh, for another big run in 2021. We'll keep tabs on this 2020 recruiting class. I think there's 
uh, a lot to monitor. I think real quick, uh, Kevin, in just one minute or so, um, you can give your overall impressions. I'll give mine first. I, the thing I look at first is, first and foremost, you've added a, a, a quarterback in Jay Butterfield. Uh, he's going to enroll early. He's, I think he's going to remind Duck fans a ton of Justin Herbert from just a physical stature, skill set. And then Noah Sewell, you've got a five-star defensive playmaker, an impact guy that's a difference maker that's unique that no one else is really going to have. Uh, we saw the impact that KT had for Oregon this year as a freshman. I think Noah Sewell is going to be that caliber of a guy as well, but just at the second level playing linebacker. I think to me the biggest thing, I think like the stars, the headliners are great. Uh, they're necessary, but to me it's the depth. The, the guys that are down the, the recruiting rankings, but they really fit what Oregon's trying to do. Oregon kind of, has broken into the, the they're going to out, they're not only going to out recruit you, they're going to try and out evaluate you. They're going to find guys that are going to fit your system. So whether it's a, a Braden Swinson or, or a Michaela Fossey or Jake Shipley on the defensive line, guys that can really compete and help improve the, the competition in that position group. They're just adding guys that they feel really fit the system across the board at every position, bringing in five offensive linemen, uh, all varying body types that will help fill needs uh, as the Ducks are going to have the gargantuan job of replacing um, five of their six predominantly playing linemen. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how those guys fit in. But I think to me, that's the thing that stands out is like you look across the board and you're like, oh, they didn't really miss anywhere in this class. I think wide receiver, you could say that, but you look at when you actually take a, a, a step back and look at the scholarship chart, the full thing of that you kind of get a better idea of where Oregon stands and what they need. And I think every need was basically met in this class. Could things have been better? Sure. But I think it's a very, very solid class. And even just finishing in the top 20 is um, in the recruiting rankings in a, in a kind of down year on the West coast. We've been saying this for the past year. I think it's pretty impressive. It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Make sure you subscribe to DuckTerritory.com. Tons of scoop, a great community. We've got tons of insiders locally, like Kevin and myself, and across nationally. Uh, No one else can match that. We've got exclusive content. Uh, You also get a free membership that's got a value of $99.99 to CBS All Access. It's uh, CBS's streaming platform, access to over 10,000 shows, live TV, movies, commercial free, all of it, uh, comes with your subscription to DuckTerritory.com, which you can get, uh, for an entry price of $1 for your first month or seven days free. So for Kevin and myself, Matt, thanks for listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Cool. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.